Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Wednesday, February 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs' Super Bowl conversation forges ahead with the star columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. We talk about how the Chiefs won the AFC Championship, but also the meaning of the victory for the organization and for Patrick Mahomes. Yes, this was an important victory for reasons beyond qualifying for the Super Bowl. Finding deeper meaning, that's what columnists do, and there are none better than Sam and Vahe. Okay, let's get started. I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys after the game. You were locked in on your columns, and, uh, and they, they, they were fantastic, by the way. It was great reading this morning, and here I am breaking my rule of dating the conversation. <laughs> this is running Wednesday, posting Wednesday. We're actually recording it on Monday, so there, there will be references to the game last night. So uh, just so we're clear, that means Sunday's AFC Championship game uh, with the Chiefs defeating the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 to uh, to win a spot in the Super Bowl third in four years for the Chiefs. I think your columns are a good place to start on this. Um, we, we drilled down. Uh, locker room scenes and eavesdropping, as you're known to do, Sam, just kind of listening in. Uh, some really good stuff. What was what was your favorite sort of eavesdrop moment from post game on Sunday? Um, I thought um, the difference in how every player took it and every coach took it, I thought was pretty cool. Um, I think there were. You mentioned this, Blair, last night, but all three coordinators kind of made some comment on their way by, and they all should have felt really good for different reasons. The players, a lot of whom I mentioned, like Brian Cook, and um, just had really good redemption stories themselves. And it's all baked into a larger team redemption story. Um, and, you know, I mentioned this in my column, but they needed to beat the Bengals, um, not just, you know, factually to get to a Super Bowl, but for their own psyche. And I don't know if it, how much they would admit that, but I think they needed to beat the Bengals. And I thought it was a much more lively room than it was in 2019, even though this group has been there before, a lot of them. And that group, almost none of them had been. I think what Terrell Suggs maybe had been, and but... I thought the energy was feeding off of what they'd heard from the other side throughout the week outwardly. But I thought subconsciously they needed to beat this team at, at some point. You, you thought that too, didn't you? I, absolutely. And uh, it's funny, the, the different sorts of images. We were in different places. I had to, it wasn't, wasn't where Sam was at that point in the locker room. But in the hallway, one of the first sights we saw was coming around the bend after we came off the elevator. Brian Cook with his family, just his face flooded in tears. Yeah. And then, you know, being in the hallway, court, procession of coordinators, procession of everybody, right? Frank Clark coming up. You could smell the cigar coming, you know, 50 <laughs> feet away. And uh, just the, that sheer level of emotion. And I think it comes from, um, I don't know what the right word is, right? But, but. I don't, know, I don't know if deliverance means this, but getting this, throwing this off their backs, and not just to beat the Bengals, right, but 
to kind of reassert where they are in the in the um, in the order of things right now. I think we've been for five years saying, well, it's open ended. Chiefs will be perennial contenders um, in, in the Mahomes era, and largely they have. But you, you know, you lose a fourth in a row to the Bengals and second in a row in an AFC Championship game. I think uh, no matter how you slice it, the Bengals are the team. Um, I just think this reopens the feeling of they are right in the thick of it always. And the way it happened did that too, right? With all the uh, redemptive stories, even Chris Jones is redemptive, right? In a sense, I mean, yeah. he had this monster season, but to do it in the playoffs this way and for for what it took for Patrick to do this um, with all that at stake, you know, it's just, it's pretty, pretty amazing story, really. And especially, you know, we were talking about this before we started, right? And I don't know if we thought this would be a transitional season, but when they made the Tyree Kill trade, I think that the general sense was, at least in the moment, one step up for two steps back. I'm one step back for two steps up later, but um, didn't didn't really play out that way. Not yet. I mean, uh, it's um, uh, and we'll see if Tyree Kill leads the Dolphins to the Super Bowl success. But the early returns are um, Brett Veach pulled off a brilliant move and uh, and and secured. Uh, a, a continued bright future for the Chiefs. So all this is happening, uh, the post-game uh, celebration, the, the um, you know, I, I, would, I would say a good performance by the Chiefs against a terrific team, but not the cleanest performance, right? Um, uh, I had I said this on, on our, our post-game Sports Beat Live, I had big problems with the way the Chiefs handled the final part of the first half, their last possession of the first half, and um, and then Mahomes fumbling, you know, just having the ball uh, leave his hand. And you couldn't help but harken back to, you know, the the regular season game where Kelsey fumbles, you know, they, they pull the ball from Kelsey for a fourth quarter fumble. And then, of course, the AFC title game a year ago with the horrible, horrible second half by Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, said it was the worst half of football he's ever played. But but the other thing, so, so many things strike me about the game, but one thing I think we should discuss is how how they got this done with as many injuries as they had. And, you know, the, the walking wounded and, and the wounded who couldn't go, it was pretty amazing. Uh, they were in not great shape coming into the game. Actually, they, they were in pretty, they were better shape than they had been in recent weeks because Cole Hardman was back. And they hadn't seen him, but during the game, Legarius Sneed, Kadarius Tony, uh, Willie Gay, uh, who else left? Hardman, Juju, Juju, yeah, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. Hardman left the game. You know, it, it's pretty amazing that they were able to and winning win this thing in the end with so many frontline guys off the field. Well, it was funny because Andy Reed during the, the call we had on Monday. Um, Good one. I like the way you smart. did that smiled when he was asked about one I think the the at that point of the game the way the 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 receivers split out were Marcus Kemp Jody Fortson and Blake Bell I I, I don't recall that play specifically but he was asked no, about it Noah Gray Blake Noah Bell Gray oh, yeah yeah you know Gray sorry um by the way a couple of great blocks by Noah Gray yesterday but I I uh Sunday you mean digress Sunday <laughs> <laughs> anyway um but the it was really extreme, and and you know they started off. I mean, I know Justin Justin Watson isn't uh, 
the marquee player, but he's had a lot of snaps. So it starts off without him even, you know, playing because he's sick. And then Tony gets hurt and doesn't come back, right? And and now Juju somehow came, comes back in. Um, I think he was the last guy able to get off the field later. I mean, he really looked. We all saw that. Pretty. We, we saw yeah, him limping into the locker room. Fife and drum corps look exactly. right. It was yep. it was bad. So anyway, I I'm getting away from your point, Blair. But it, it, the idea of patching it together with with what they had to do it with with a it it, it does boggle the mind, really. I mean, how resourceful do you have to be to figure out this is the way to do it? Um, and resourceful with a lot of stuff, other stuff going wrong, right? And 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 I think when you were talking about that, the parallels to last year, I mean, there was a point late in the fourth quarter where the punt, um, putting the ball in Joe Burrow's hands, you're thinking that it, it, they're mismanaging the end of this half too. And it looked dire. Yeah, for the first 59 minutes, it felt incredibly similar to the last three Bengals games we've covered to where we could just apply our previous coverage, previous <laughs> podcasts, and just have the exact same conversation. I, I do think Andy Reid probably factored in. He's missing receivers. Patrick Mahomes re-aggravated that ankle injury twice in the second half, he told us. Once was really obvious on the throw across his body to hit McCole Hardman. He said the way he had to plant on his foot, and then the fumble when the ball slipped out of his hands when he's fighting for the ball as well. Um, but in the end, Andy Reid decides that Joe Burrow is going to decide the outcome of the game. And that's been the wrong decision every time they they face the Bengals. And I thought, I can't believe he hasn't learned that lesson yet, that the ball should be in Patrick Mahomes' hands, not in Joe Burrow's hands to decide this game. And his defense bailed him out of that decision. And that's probably as much as the big picture arc of this whole thing, because it's the Bengals, because it's, a quarterback getting back to the Super Bowl, all these unsung heroes. The storyline that probably hasn't got enough attention from Sunday is <laughs> how how different the defensive line was compared to the, every other. That's the one change of these four matchups is the Chiefs defensive line and Chris Jones in particular dominated the game up front. Really got after it. Um, and Chris Jones had fantastic game, two sacks, but Frank Clark... Ten pressures. And, yes. Chris Jones had ten, ten pressures. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I haven't seen the PFF grades. I'm sure he'll be the highest-graded player in the game. If it's not like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who had a terrific game on offense. But Chris Jones absolutely, I think, was the best player on, on the field for the Chiefs. And either, I thought he was the best player on the field for either team. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't just, disagree with listen, that. Listen, going, going against an offensive line that uh, that was not in the best of shape with the Bengals, nevertheless. That's ha- that's happened. That's been part of the story every year. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Bengals just don't block other teams well. And that's how they lost the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, and it's and it's somehow the Chiefs haven't taken advantage of it. And look, they kind of disappeared early in the second half because they had four sacks in the first half, and then they were pretty quiet which was another reason why I didn't agree with the punt. But then his defensive line came through. Yep. And, you know, Chris Jones maneuvering himself to the outside in the last play because he had seen something earlier in the game that said, hey, if I move outside based on their alignment, I should get one-on-one here. And I also think that's a credit, though, to Carlos Dunlap, who had a good game himself, to say, yeah, I'll do what's best for Chris. I mean, a guy that's had over 100 sacks in his career. 
is saying, yeah, I'll do what's best for, for Chris Jones here. I am looking at the PFF grades, the top three graded guys for the Chiefs, Chris Jones, Mike Dana, Carlos Dunlap. I knew I knew Dana had a good game. He was um, Clark's first sack was because uh, Dana got to him first. Yeah, 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 you, talk, yeah. you talk about a guy who's um, willing to move inside. Mm-hmm. He's shown an ability this season. I do think this is a credit to Steve Spagnuolo and probably Joe Cullen as well. Spags has been willing to move edge rushers to the inside to get quickness on passing downs. And that's really benefited Michael Dana this year. He's probably, you know, a short list of guys who we haven't talked enough about this year because Michael Dana's had a pretty good year. Not, not out of nowhere. I mean, he's been here for, for a while. Three but, years now, yeah. Yep, but um, uh, good on him. for. I, I didn't realize he had graded as well as he did. That's good. Fantastic. Um Let's let's talk a moment about Mahomes and uh, twenty nine of forty three, three hundred twenty six yards, two touchdowns. The the touchdown pass to Marquez Valdez Scantling was probably the play of the game offensively for the Chiefs. Smallest of windows, and I think we heard in the post game that um, he didn't ne- didn't actually see him. Saw his hand go up. He saw his hand go up and 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 couldn't see. I can't remember the term he used exactly, but couldn't. Couldn't see in front of him, was that yeah. what I think he said. So, throws the line drive. And I have to put this in my mind's eye, but I, I think I think I have this right. I mean, he was – Patrick was on the move a little bit. Mm-hmm. And a little against across the body. Into, you know, again, the only window he could put it in. Um, I like Marquez's uh, statement about that, that it, Patrick has eyes all over his head. <laughs> on the back, just all over his head. But that 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 was kind of a vintage Mahomes play on a day where he didn't have his stuff, basically, and that that really was. And the Kelsey touchdown pass was its own special thing. It's funny, you know, maybe our audience would be interested in this. I mean, we end up kind of constantly talking through the game about you know things that seem like pivotal moments or worth exploring later. There was certainly a point in the game where, if it proceeded as it was, that you could see um, a lot to write about just in the Kelsey Mahomes. Touchdown there with both of them so hurt and um, I noticed they didn't jump high five each other or chest bump <laughs> they, they they just shook hands yeah. on the deal yes. <laughs> you know Sam got in the question to Travis Kelsey that and this is in a little way has been I think underplayed I, I just at, at the end as Travis is getting ready to walk off Sam basically asked how you know were you close to not playing and Travis Travis really sounded like it was tough he was in doubt yeah he was really in doubt and. You know, obviously grateful to the training staff, but uh, also his last line was was interesting. I think he said something. If the words were to the effect of, "I don't know where I'd be emotionally if I were, hadn't been able to play in this game." Yeah. So, it, it, but I I sensed from that that it was, you know, no 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 simple thing that he was going to get to play, and you know, well, we saw, we saw him on the field before the game. Um, it is you know it's 15 degrees, and who knows what the wind chill factor was at the time, but. He's out there in shorts and a, you know, in a light long sleeve shirt, but he's running routes and it looks like he was testing his back and, um, and under the watchful eye of Rick Burkholder, uh, I saw them fist bump, uh, you know, after Kelsey had gone through, you know, whatever calisthenics he needed to do to, to make sure he was okay. But that, that, you know, that said to me that it was not a, 
it wasn't a done deal that he was going to play on Sunday, that he, he needed to go out there and test. So that was quite a jolt to everybody to see his name pop up on the injury list Friday afternoon as we're about to shut it down at Arrowhead. And all of a sudden he's listed as questionable for Friday. First time he'd yeah. shown up on the injury list all week. The so. third most snaps he had played all year was <laughs> was Sunday night too. So it's not just that he, he played wow. sparingly. I mean, he caught seven of his eight targets, had the touchdown play. It looked like that touchdown was the result of two guys who knew each other really well because – we all, I think, Larry, you were the first one to point out that Juju Smith-Schuster was wide open, and that looked like option A. Mm-hmm. Underneath for what would have been a first down. Yeah, it looked like the what went through the quarterback's mind at that point is, well, Travis Kelsey's supposed to just take a couple of defenders with him because usually he does. So they tried to clear out space underneath. Only one defender follows him, though. There was some confusion and miscommunication between the Bengals' secondary pre-snap and so Mahomes just says, well, I know Juju's open, but I got one-on-one with this guy in the end zone. Why not just go for it all here? It's funny, by the way, just lost in the shuffle last night where the, the hook and ladder, uh, <laughs> the one they ran and the other one where, where it almost looked like a Kelsey option or whether they're just, just faking it. Um, I, I think I've got that. You're right, Vlad. That's, that's how crazy that game was is that nobody even asked – Anybody in the post-game news conferences about either of those those plays? I don't remember last time I saw a hook and ladder at all, but in a less than emergency situation, well, right? Travis I mean, Kelsey ran it, and Detroit. Sean McCoy was ready for it. Yep. yep. But was it? But it wasn't I, called. It was no, yeah, I think it was just joint. He had, not even, he had yeah. not even come down to the ground to technically secure the catch yet before he, <laughs> before he was pitching it before he lateraled the ball. Yeah. Uh, but Blair, I think to your mom's point, um, I really think this is like a legacy type two back-to-back games for Patrick Mahomes. I think if the guy wins four Super Bowls, this is the one we're going to be talking about most because of his injury, of the fact he got through that game with an injured Travis Kelsey and with three of his receivers actually out of the game, and also because of how last year ended. He, he yeah, beat the yeah. team that knocked him out last year that we talked all off season about. And I thought the result of last night was going to really be a significant piece of the Patrick Mahomes career story anyway. But the fact he won on what seemed like one ankle and, but it goes back to what we talked about last week with the Bills game last year. It's only going to have that sort of feeling if the Chiefs can actually follow through and beat the Eagles. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, the 
the Cincinnati mayor's comments notwithstanding, um, you know, Joe Burrow had not lost to Mahomes. And even though Mahomes has the ring, he has one MVP and he's on his way to winning a second one, he's got the better career numbers. But if Cincinnati had won on Sunday, um, I, I don't know how any reasonable person could say that Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than than Joe Burrow, or at least you can have the you can have the argument, yeah. you can have the discussion, and we've all been sort of operating under the, uh, the the belief that Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't win it every year, but he has his team there every year. He wins a division every year. You know, Aaron Rodgers didn't do that. Brady did that. So uh, Brady's on the certainly toward the very end of his career. Patrick Mahomes is the new, you know king of, of quarterback in the NFL, if he'd gone 0-4 yeah. to Burrow, I know we, we, we've touched on it a little bit, but I, that that is also part of the legacy question answered. Uh, yeah, I think, I think um, look, Joe Burrow is still operating with the benefit of the rookie contract. So he still has Jamar Chase also on a rookie contract. Ooh. He still has T. Higgins also on a rookie mm-hmm. contract. It'll be interesting to see what the becomes of the Bengals once these guys need to get paid. Because that's what has been unique about the Chiefs is the Bills challenged them uh, two straight years. Once in the AFC Championship game, once in the divisional round, they really challenged them with Josh Allen under a rookie contract. They had to pay Josh Allen. The Bills didn't make the AFC Championship game. The Bengals are still in that world right now. So are the Eagles. Mm -hmm. So so are the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. Those are usually the teams that have this um, sustained playoff success for two to three years. The Chiefs are the outlier in the fact that they're still doing it with their guys getting paid. Travis Kelsey's getting paid. I think we all think he's probably underpaid when you look at his value. Patrick Mahomes, you know, by this time next year, I think will be pretty severely underpaid, but he's not on a rookie contract. So... Jones is the one that... Um, yeah, Jones gonna... is the one that they're going to have a decision on. But the Chiefs had to come to a decision in the offseason to get rid of a star player just to pay the quarterback and everybody else. The Bengals are not there, but they will be there. And for Joe Burrow to be in that Patrick Mahomes echelon of quarterback, I think he's going to have to prove he can do it after they have to make those tough decisions as well. That's a great point. And really just also to... If he can do it then, I mean, to actually win the Super Bowl is something different. And I think, you know, we're at this point now where we're asking about what the, the distinction between winning a Super Bowl and multiple Super Bowls in a quarterback's legacy. Um, I haven't studied this number since this happened, but I'm making this up. But I have to figure 35 or so, 40 quarterbacks won one. And I was actually looking that up. I was trying to look up that too. Yeah. Just to know like maybe the because it does it does feel like when we're talking about legacy that it's 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 a pretty select group who wins multiple. And then I would guess that, you know, that list is pretty Hall of Fame heavy for guys that have won multiple Super Bowls. Yeah. I'll tell you um, the list. Starting with Tom Brady with seven, right? And then it drops to four, Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana. Three is Troy Aikman. And then there's the list of two, John Elway, Roger Staubach, Bob Greasy, Ben Roethlisberger, Bart Starr, Jim Plunkett, and Eli Manning. So, I'm sorry, uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, did I say Peyton yet? No, yeah, Peyton, Peyton and Eli. Yep. So, that's the list. All of them, 
uh, all are in the Hall of Fame that are eligible to be in the Hall of Fame except for one. Jim Plunkett's not. And Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning, I think, will be in the Hall of Fame. So those are your multiple Super Bowl winners. So how many was that? Ten? Uh, Ten? Let's do this again. Brady, Bradshaw, Montana. Twelve. It's 12. Aikman, Elway, Staubach, Greasy, Plunkett, and a pair of Mannings. But see, I, I think Mahomes has the opportunity to get to, you know, we've, you only mentioned four guys that have three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's and the That's, that's the, the class I think Patrick Mahomes can get to, but you have to win at a higher percentage than the average. Because if, if you win half of your conference championships and half of your Super Bowls, you know, that gets you to a quarter of your conference championship appearances. He's hosted a, a conference championship game five straight years. It would feel underwhelming on his resume if he finishes that five-year run with, with just one Super Bowl. Totally agree. It's not, you know, Buffalo Bills, right? I mean, they've won one and all that. But I think it get a little more heft and what really would seem befitting of what he's done, right? It would be that's that's part of the best way to phrase ones. it, because like it's not it's not a criticism because he has to earn his way to get there. Yeah, and that itself is an accomplishment. But he has gotten there five times. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that piece of information, just starting from that as your baseline, you'd say, well, you got to win more than one of them. Well, I loved it. It may have been to your question, but hey, I loved his thought yesterday about. When he was young, he won the MVP and he won the Super Bowl. And he goes, "This is easy." You know, I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. We can, you know, young and naive, and thought this is the way the world was. Yeah, you know, he he has said a thing or two like that a little bit this he said season that during the season. Yeah, I actually asked him about just which one would mean more to you, and he said, "That's right, that's another what, one would mean yeah. way more." He also said last or uh, Sunday night <laughs> that he. Um, he said, listen, I've, I've been to the Super Bowl, I've won it, and I've lost it. And it feels like a lot, a lot better yeah, yeah, to yeah. win it. Which, yeah. as much as it's saying the obvious, the delivery of it was, I remember the way it felt when I lost the Super Bowl. A- a- absolutely. And, you know, I think he was allowing himself the, the plateau if we got there, you know, in how he phrased it. But I, I think the psyche will begin turning to, can't let that happen again. But it is interesting, and and, and it, it certainly registered with me anew the way he put it last night. Just because you're right, you you, you walk into the NFL, and you know you're 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 the MVP the first year. You're doing things that are off the charts, and then you just win the Super Bowl the next year. And I mean, I don't think you know, the way he phrased it made it sound like uh, you know I thought it was easy. He didn't mean that. He just meant thought it's going to always happen. Right. And, right. And I love how I really love how he's like you know he's experienced failure since then you know it's yes, right you know, I, I, lost a lot of people take title that game in overtime <laughs> that level of failure level of just dreadful play yeah <laughs> it's so but I but I think back to the main point here you know we're living this era of Patrick Mahomes in real time and it's pretty amazing right you see it and there's, there's always something that that surprises still always something that's like I can't believe he did that. But I, I feel like if his career is to be to really stand for what it seems to be about, it's going to need some of those boxes checked, and you can't win the third without winning the second, right? So, um, I, the other thing too, it really strikes me is, I think we know this, right? They're going to contend, they're going to contend, but there's going to be X factors every year. You can't even count on them ever being back in a Super Bowl, right? And as much as Kansas City's getting used to 
five straight AFL championship games. I mean, I just obviously can't take that for granted in any way. What's what's sort of incredible is that every year of his career, really, he has encountered some sort of adversity as much as if you just look at the stats that we're talking about, five straight AFC championship games, three Super Bowl appearances in four years, it seems like it's just been this pretty smooth ride. But, you know, I mean, in 19, obviously, he has the knee injury, also the high ankle sprain. In 20, he plays with probably the worst offensive line to appear in a Super Bowl, maybe the worst offensive line to appear in a playoff game. Um, in 21, it's it's self-inflicted with what happens in the second half to the Bengals. It was really the first time that we wondered how he might mentally re- respond to, you know, that was failure. That was his well, own, that's per- true. That I, was his own personal failure as well. But not his then, alone, right? But, I mean, he sure. was – he and was a part of it. 2022, this this season, now he's got this high ankle sprain. It's there's There's been more bumps in the road, I think, to Patrick Mahomes' journey than I, a lot of people would probably anticipate just looking at the face of it. One other point that you just remind me of, too, is, okay, so really they were pretty vocal about, you know, starting with Chris Jones to you in May or whatever that was when he, he instantly is asked about last season and instantly talks about, you know, the feeling of whiffing on – Joe Burrow, and that that's going to drive him. And Chris reiterated that again on Sunday. But the idea of declaring that, you know, we're dedicating this season to making up ground on that team, and, and I don't know if they said it that overtly, but that's the notion, right? We're going to we're going to get past the Bengals. And we're, we, actually, we'd like to play them again in the AFC Championship game, right? I think that was the implication. Oh, to have that. Yeah, Patrick said that. Yeah. yeah. So to get there and then not beat them? What's your takeaway in the offseason this yeah, time? I was wondering, like, as much as we talked about this storyline last offseason, I think probably to the point where people tired of it, it would be, you know, tenfold this next yeah. year if you had lost this team twice in a row in the postseason four four straight times overall. It, it really would have legitimately felt like, can they beat this team? Yeah, look, St. Joe can be a kind of a miserable place <laughs> For camp, that's right. For camp, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, for camp. Think about dragging up there for (laughs) next next July with uh, with with the zero and four hanging around their neck. So would you say the Bengals are uh, in your minds? I mean, you know, it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, all right. There's so much more to talk about, uh, but we're going to save it for another day. Uh, Starting with, we've got to get into um, Sam. I don't know if you know this, but of the three of us talking. One of us is a former Philadelphia Eagles employee, so um, we'll get into that in a bigger way. And uh, and the, but but on a serious note, the other topic I want to really explore is uh, how much did beating Cincinnati take out of the Chiefs? Uh, we, we've just spent a half an hour talking about how important it was, and you could just tell from the the energy and what they put into this game that this was a major accomplishment for the Chiefs. And now they've just got, you know, as a reward, they get the biggest game of the year uh, uh, coming up. And Let me interject something on that real quick, because I think I've thought about this before, and I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I think one of the reasons they lost that game to the Bengals last year was just being emotionally depleted by uh, the, the Bills game, that the game of all games, you know, the game of a lifetime, and getting back in the either, you know, whatever the emotional wear and tear was, fatigue, all those things, having their heads right in a certain way. Um, 
I've I've wondered before how how it would have played out if they they had a week in between on that game. Sounds like a column fight. It does sound like a column. Let me jot that jot that down on this list of thirty seven things or so we were exploring all afternoon. All right, much more to talk about uh, with the Super Bowl coverage in the Star the print product on KansasCity.com and with our Sportsbeat KC podcast and live streams. So uh, stay with us, will you, all week long and into next week when all of us will be in Glendale, Arizona at the Super Bowl. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our producer, George Howard, and the Sportsbeat KC staff of Jeff Rosen, Scott Chasen, Monty Davis, and Randy Mason. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their insights. The Star and KansasCity.com has you covered during the Chiefs' Super Bowl run. Also, check out the Morning Sports Edition. It's full of stories from Kansas City and Philadelphia about the big game and everything else going on in sports, like the KU victory over Kansas State in a battle of top 10 teams on Tuesday night. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com. See what I'm talking about. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Oh, 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 o